All right. Good morning, Ridge Point Church. How are you doing this morning? Good, man. We're glad that you're here. Uh, listen, I want to echo what Jenny was sharing earlier just about last night, what an incredible experience it was. I know I had a number of people uh, that came to me this morning. They're like, dude, I couldn't get to bed till like after midnight last night. There's a lot of energy. Uh, I hadn't heard this phrase in a couple of years, but I heard it twice last night. I heard it twice from two different people, and they said this. They said, if that didn't light your fire, your wood must be wet. And, like, I heard that years ago, and then, like, twice I heard it last night, but it was just one of those nights where, man, there was so much energy, there was so much passion, uh, just there, there's this pursuit of God, and, and I know there, there's something about gathering together things sometimes at night that uh, allows us to, to maybe be a little more free in our expression, and we want that on Sunday mornings. I know some of us are like, man, I just feel like I, I'm, I have no energy from last night, but we want every day for us to be able to pursue God. We said we want this hour 1010 on Sunday morning at, at 100 Hatfield Road to be the most exciting hour of the week in all of the Armandale Winter Haven area as we pursue God, not just in one night, but in everything that we do. Uh, thank you for everyone that took part. Thank you for the generosity, for the freedom. Uh, truly, that's what we're trying to accomplish. Uh, do me a favor, turn to the person next to you in the fist bump and say, I'm glad to see you this morning. We're excited that you're here as we're in Week two of a series that we're talking about this idea of being uncomfortable. We mentioned last week that for every one of us, we have a tendency to want to gravitate towards that which is comfortable. Uh, whatever it is, whatever facet of life we're talking about, if we're talking about our finances, if we're talking about our health, if we're talking about our relationships, uh, if we're talking about our work ethic, we have a, the, the natural tendency is for us to gravitate towards what makes us comfortable. And sometimes that gra- means we gravitate towards that which makes us a little bit lazy in those areas. We said last week that sometimes what begins as a very comfortable relationship ends up experiencing some turmoil because, well, we got too comfortable. And so this series is about pushing the envelope and saying this, we want to do this. We want to embrace the discomfort We want in all of those areas to go into this year and to say, we want to make sure that we're doing this. We're embracing the discomfort. And what we mean by that is that for us to go from comfortable to uncomfortable, there has to be some intentionality to it. It isn't something we're going to naturally gravitate towards. And so because of that, it's an intentionality on our part to say, I know that my natural tendency is to gravitate towards that which makes me comfortable. And so in my life, I have to embrace the discomfort. There's a guy, he's a, he's a natural business leader. His name's Michael Hyde. He's written a number of books. But he said this about this idea of embracing the discomfort. He said this, if you get out of your comfort zone and embrace some discomfort, it enables you to grow. See, if we embrace comfortable, it isn't really giving us a, an opportunity to grow. But we, if we embrace discomfort in all of those areas, later on we'll talk about the spiritual areas, if we embrace discomfort... And here's how we do that. There's a couple of times a year that it seems like we have this this new beginning, this fresh start. Obviously, the beginning of the year in January, we set our resolutions and we set our goals. And and some of us entered this year saying, my goal this year is to lose 20 pounds. And here we are in August, we're saying, I only have 25 pounds left. (laughs) But, But here's the thing. There's a second time of the year that we have a tendency to set goals. And we set those goals as we kind of get back into the school year. We get back into our routine and we say, man, here, here's some areas that I want to grow. And so I want to challenge you to do something at some point this week. And don't forget about this because there's a lot we're going to talk about this morning. Don't forget about this. But I want you to sit down, if you're married, sit down with your spouse. 
If you have children, maybe sit down with your families and say, we want to set some specific goals this year, this school year, of maybe some things we want to do. Maybe for you, it's embracing the discomfort, saying, I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning, and I'm going to set that alarm a half hour early or an hour early to go hit the gym. Maybe for others, you said, man, I've been contemplating going back to school or applying for that promotion. Maybe for others, it's, I just want to make sure that I spend more quality time with my family. I want you to do something this week. I want you to write down some of those goals and take pictures of yourself trying to accomplish those goals and post it on social media in some way with the hashtag, embrace the discomfort. Because here's what happens is when we start to realize we're not in this alone, but there are other people that are journeying with us. I know for myself, when I want to start working out, I want to get into the fitness routine. If I know there are other people that are journeying with me, it gives me accountability and it gives me motivation. So I want us throughout this week to figure out what are those areas of our lives that we really want to improve upon and, and then make the effort to say, I'm going to set a goal. I'm going to set and I'm going to be intentional about embracing the discomfort because we believe that that's true in a lot of different areas of our life. We gravitate towards comfortability, so we have to be intentionally uncomfortable. And that might be even more important when it comes to our spiritual growth. You see, I think we have a, especially a natural tendency to think, I can just gravitate towards doing a couple of good things, and I'm just going to grow spiritually. Watch this. A couple of weeks ago, I started to have some problems with my truck. It wasn't anything real serious. In fact, no one else probably would have noticed it. But you know when you drive your car and you kind of know how your car operates and it just sounds like something's not right. Anybody else could drive and say it sounds fine. But you say, no, I know that my car or my truck doesn't normally operate that way. And so I was driving and it felt like maybe the engine was clogged or something. When you accelerate, it didn't quite feel just right. So I did what any reasonable person do. I took it to the, the garage. I took it to the shop. And, and, and I kind of came in. It was just this really, really big garage. And, and you know when you walk into that, that setting where everybody else seems like everybody else knows what they're doing. And you kind of walk in and you feel intimidated. You're not exactly sure how all this functions. And so I just kind of walked in. I pulled my truck in. I walked in. And I'm trying to get a lay for the land. And I'm, I'm looking around. And, and finally, after a couple of minutes, the technician finally comes over. And he says, hey, can I help you? And I said, well... Probably not, but let me explain what's going on. I started to explain what was happening. And he said, okay, well, how about we give it a look-see? Because that's how mechanics talk. They give it a look-see. And so he says, let me give it a look-see. And, and so I said, no, you know what? I don't think that's necessary. I said, I was actually hoping I was coming to the shop, and I see all these different cars that are in different states of being repaired, and a lot of them seem like they're operating really, really well. So I was hoping if I could just pull my truck up here and park it for about an hour and hanging around with the other vehicles that are operating really, really well, that hopefully my truck would just kind of catch that, and I'd be able to pull out. And the guy said, okay, man, if that's what you want. And he looked at me kind of funny, like some of you are looking at me right now, saying, I'm not sure that that's going to work. And after an hour, I left, and my truck wasn't operating any better, and I was frustrated. Now, obviously, that's a fictitious story. I didn't do that. But some people like you might have, JG, I'm not sure. But here's the thing. When it comes to our spiritual growth, I'm concerned that that's exactly what we do. We say, man, I know there are some things that aren't quite right in my life. I know there are things that I should improve upon. And maybe no one else even notices them. But I know something is not right. And so what I do is I start coming to church. And I hang out with other people who give the appearance of having their life all together. 
And so I think if I just hang around them long enough, that a little bit of that is just going to rub off on me and I'll, I'll be better. The thing is, that never works. In fact, for us to gain traction, for us to grow, there has to be intentionality in what we're attempting to do. If we're serious about life change, we have to be intentional about growth. I can't just show up at church and think if I just sit next to someone, if I just rub shoulders with someone who I think has their life all together, because by the way, we're all screwed up, we all mess up, and it's not going to rub off on each other. But we think if I just walk in, if I just rub shoulders with someone who's a little bit better off than I am, that through osmosis, I'm just going to naturally get better spiritually. And it doesn't happen that way. In fact, if we're going to grow, if we're going to have any part of that life change happen, it happens through intentional relationships. It happens by me saying, I know how fearful it is to open myself up to relationships. And I know how hard it is. But here's the thing that I've heard for the longest time. For a long time, I was a youth pastor, and I dealt with teenagers. And I speak to teenagers, but the same truth is true for us as adults. That if we want to know where life is going to be 10 years from now, look at the people we're hanging out with the most right now. Because they're the biggest influencers, they're the big, biggest people that actually do rub off on our life. And so we have to be intentional about saying, man, I want to develop some relationships where I'm not afraid to have those difficult questions. I'm not afraid to sit down at coffee or sit down at lunch and say, hey, what is, what is God doing in your life? See, last week we began this discussion of saying, for us to grow spiritually, we have to be open to having some intentional conversations about what God is doing. Because ultimately, if, if we believe this, if we believe that Jesus is who he says he is, and by the way, we do, if, if we believe that, and if we believe that message is the only message of hope for this world, then it just makes sense that if we believe that about Jesus, and Jesus is the only hope for the world, that we're going to want to share that message with the world around us. Because the truth is, whether you love a person, whether you like a person, or whether you dislike a person, if we really truly understand the depth of God's love for us, we want to be able to share that message with those around us. And so the thing is, probably the hardest part of our journey of truly following Jesus is to say, man, I know that I have this faith and I know that I have this hope. And now I want to be able to enter into some conversations where I'm able to share that same hope with the people around me. And we said last week, this might be one of the more difficult parts, one of the more difficult aspects of our relationship with Jesus is that Sometimes, especially in our modern setting, that seems rather difficult. We gave some pointers last week of, hey, here's some things that you can do. Here's some conversations that could be had. Here's just sitting down at lunch or sitting down at coffee and, and, and opening up and saying, hey, here's what God is doing in my life right now. What's God doing in your life? And just being open, having those conversations. You see, I think we've bought into this idea that in kind of our postmodern world that, that people are afraid to talk about issues of faith. And, and yet what we truly see is if you look at the experts of, as they study cultures, that people are hungry for truth right now. They're hungry for, hey, I really want to know what's true. I don't know that I agree with you about what truth is, but I'm hungry to know what truth is. And we shy away and we want to talk about being good and doing all these things. And, and we say this all the time as a church that we believe that Jesus makes our lives better, but he also makes us better at life. But he makes our life better because he is the true hope for the world. So the conversation began with us talking about here's what it means to really genuinely be able to share the faith that we say that we possess. 
The second thing, and this is going to take us two weeks to talk about it, is this idea of community, about having a compassion towards relationships. And we're going to talk about this this week, and we're going to talk about this next week. But if you have your Bibles, open up to the book of Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to turn there in just a second, Ephesians chapter 2. But, but here's the thing that I discovered about when I really want to grow, that, that the idea of it being intentional is that when I really am passionate about something, when I really care about something, I'm willing to put in the time and effort because intentionality requires those two things. Intentionality requires time and it requires effort. When I was younger, when I was a child, when I was a teenager, I grew up in St. Pete, so we had salt water all around us. And so I loved to go saltwater fishing. But as I got older, life got in the way, family got in the way, we were moving around doing some different things, and I kind of got away from fishing for quite a few years. But recently, I became really passionate about it again, and, and my younger son loves to go fishing, and so I was trying to learn because in, in 20 years' time, the technology changed. They're using this braided line that I never used growing up and trying to figure out how to tie braided line onto a monofilament leader. For someone who hadn't done it for a long time, it required me talking to some friends, teaching me how to do those things. It required, literally, I sat down one time with a YouTube video trying to figure out, and some of y'all don't fish, have no idea what I'm talking about, but it was a, a complicated way of doing what used to be real simple, using swivels. And, and so I was trying to figure that out, and intentionality required time and effort to figure it out. So the question becomes, why do we discover the time and find the time to do those things when it involves our things that are, are part of our recreation? But when it comes to really saying, man, I want to grow spiritually, because I think most of us are here because on some level we say that's where we're at. But the amount of time and the amount of effort we want to put towards that is minimized, while it seems like the pursuit of recreational things is maximized. And I want to speak especially to the teenagers and parents of teenagers this morning. Because this is especially true for people that age. Because I've heard this before, and I've heard this even here before, where uh, students start in the middle school and high school, and they start coming to church, and, and, and parents sometimes holding them back, saying, I'm not sure they're ready for this yet. All this is going on in their life, and, and I'm not sure they're going to be able to understand this. Here's the thing that I watch, though is I watch middle schoolers who right now, they're middle schoolers who can make like model rockets and launch them and figure all that stuff out. They're high schoolers. I did some research this week. I did some research on what are some of the classes that are being offered to high school students right now. And these are some of the classes. Watch this. They're taking animation. They're taking app development. They're taking web design. They're taking quantitative literacy. They're taking multivariable calculus. I don't even know what that is. And they're taking this in high school. They're taking cultural anthropology. They're taking robotics. They're taking AP Physics C, which is electricity and magnetism. They're taking these classes in their high schools. And then the church were saying, but they're not ready to hear about the Bible. They're not ready to understand that. And we wonder, and I'm serious about this church, we wonder why most students graduate from high school actively involved in church. And they walk away from their faith after high school. It's because for the first time, they're out on their own, and they're facing some significant questions. And up until that point, we've just tried to spoon-feed them these things and say, hey, just believe this. And then they become adults. And they say, well, I only believe because mom or dad or my Sunday school teacher told me to believe, and I've never had to work these things out for myself. We want to take hold of our growth. 
And for that to happen, it requires us being uncomfortable. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul is writing to a church in a town called Ephesus. And he's writing about the difficulty it was in developing some relationships early on in the church. You see, if you read the history of the early church, which really begins in the book of Acts, it begins primarily as uh, Jewish people who, who were believers in the Messiah that were coming started to embrace Jesus as the Messiah. And so most of the early Christians were, were Jewish by birth, but really with, when, when Paul comes on as a missionary of the Gentiles, that mission spreads to everybody as it was intended. But if you could imagine, that led to some dicey situations in the early church as they're saying, listen, we are coming from different cultures and we're not sure how we're all going to be able to get together because we all come from very, very diverse backgrounds. And so as Paul addresses in Ephesians chapter 2 when he says this, beginning in verse 11, Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. By the way, Paul himself being Jewish was speaking to people who are primarily not Jewish. He says this, verse 12, Remember that you are at the time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the, the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, that's, he says, that's who you used to be before Jesus. But then he says this, but now in Christ Jesus, you who are once afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He says we used to be separated. There used to be a lot of things that made us vastly different. But now because of what Jesus did and his sacrifice, he's now brought unity within us, within the church in Ephesus, not because of our cultural backgrounds, but because he died in our place. And he says, because in Christ Jesus, you who are once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself, Jesus himself, is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. He says, listen, prior to Jesus... None of us were really getting this right. Prior to Jesus, we were kind of caught up in our religion and we separate ourselves from everybody else. And, and, and prior to Jesus, you were separated yourself and, and you didn't have any inkling of any of this even going on. But he says, now because of what Jesus did, because of his death, because he shed his blood for us, now we gather together as a church and we think today there was division. Back then, the division would have been multiplied. These groups of people prior to Jesus didn't get along at all. They considered each other to be lower than dogs. And he says, but now because of what Jesus, he has taken those things that were far off and separated, and he's made them one. And he's broken down that wall of hostility, and through that he's brought peace. And with peace, it now becomes our responsibility to encourage one another in our journey. And that's probably the most difficult part. Really one of the most challenging parts because we live in a culture that is divided. We live, many of us, in families that have been divided. And so because of that, we are naturally untrusting as human beings. Now, some more untrusting than others because of their backgrounds. But we have a tendency, I think, more and more, more now than ever in our country's history, we have a tendency to say we'd be much better off living in some closed-off community where we're not interacting with a bunch of people because we feel like people are dangerous and it's unsafe and, and I trusted this person and they hurt me and, and I'd rather just be uh, avoiding all of this. But Jesus said growth doesn't happen that way. Growth happens by us embracing 
sometimes uncomfortable relationships in order to make us better. And for that to happen, we have to, in our own hearts, break down that wall of hostility, break down that wall of hurt. And say, I'm not going to allow that divide to be in my life any longer. See, I think we bought in this idea, this sham of what community was going to look like. I think we bought in this, that, man, if, if you just start going to church, you're going you're gonna to get in with a group of people, and they love each other all the time, and, and everything is always just great and glorious, and, and then we get into relationships, and it's not always great and glorious. Sometimes it's hard. But see, the Bible never navigated away from that. In fact, there's a couple of things, a couple of myths that I want to break about what it means, some myths when it comes to community. Number one, being in community doesn't mean we're always going to agree. We're living in a culture where it seems like what's out there now is if we disagree, if we don't agree upon something, then we're going to fight about it. We're going to hate each other. It's okay to disagree. That's fine. We can have these discussions. We can have conversations. It doesn't mean we're always going to agree, and we need to be adults about that and say that that's okay. The second thing adding to that is not only is it that we're not always going to agree, but we're not always going to get along. There's a story in scripture where there's Paul and Barnabas. They went on a missionary journey and they, they came back and they had this incredible report. And they get ready to go on a second missionary journey. And they're gearing up and they said, let's go plant some more churches and do what God's called us to do. Well, on the first trip, there's a guy by the name of Mark. And Mark went on that trip and halfway through the trip, he bailed and said, I'm out. I can't do this anymore. The Bible doesn't say why, but he stopped with, being with them on that trip. And so here we go on the second trip, and Barnabas, being the encourager that he is, says, hey, I think we should give Mark a second chance. And Paul says, no, I don't think that's a good idea. He bailed on us last time. I don't want to go through that again. And so they have this disagreement, and the disagreement is so strong that they decide to separate and go their separate ways. It doesn't mean we're always going to agree. It doesn't mean we're always going to get along. Because the third truth is this, community isn't always easy. But I want us to get this. It's essential. When we talk about community, community isn't always easy. But community, being intentional about community, is essential for our growth. Every year about this time, we start to get ready to launch into what we call our groups campaign. We're going to share a little bit about that in a second. But I'd love to give this conversation about how we build community because I think for every one of us, this is a very essential principle. There's two types of relationships that we're busy developing. One are relationships that just happen organically. Organic relationships are relationships, often it's relationships, friends that have been there for a long time. We just kind of naturally, we're not even sure when we started hanging out. Maybe your neighbors, maybe your coworkers. But sometimes, like, I don't even remember, like, all, I just remember they're always in my life, and I don't even know what happened, but it just, those relationships that seem like family. We talk here a lot in, in, in church about uh, the, the model church we use is called foyer living room kitchen, and, and the foyer is kind of the front door where you first meet people, and that's people who show up at the door, you're not familiar with them, and you don't take them past the foyer. The next step is, is the living room. The living room is where you invite people in and you start to have conversation. You're closer than the foyer, but you're not quite as deep as we get in the kitchen. When people show up in the living room, you say, hey, can I get you a drink? I'd love to be able to get you a drink. I'll get you a glass of milk. When they make it into the kitchen, that's where life happens. Community happens in the kitchen. When you get in the kitchen, it's 
We're close enough now. I don't have to get you a glass of milk. You can get it yourself. But I'm convinced there's another layer beyond the kitchen. And there are people who not only do they go and get their glass of milk for themselves, but they actually drink the milk straight out of the jug. That's where, like, real life happens. And that type of relationship happens organically. That type of relationship is like, I don't, we, we've just been friends. I trust the person. We've probably been friends for a large amount of time. And because of that, I feel really close to them. The other that's a little bit more challenging, but for me is every bit as essential, is intentional relationship. It's saying, hey, I have people who naturally I hang out with. But there's also people that I want to be intentional about creating relationships with because I'm convinced my observation is this. As we get more and more isolated as a society, the best thing that we can do is intentionally seek out relationships where one of two things happen. Either that relationship is going to help me grow spiritually or I have a chance to help someone else grow spiritually. And so every year when we talk about this idea of organic relationships that just kind of happen and intentional relationships that are somewhat forced. And listen, in an ideal world, and this happens a lot of time, in an ideal world, those intentional relationships grow into organic relationships. It doesn't always happen, and we're aware of that. But our goal is that, man, we develop some intentional relationships that over time we build the depth of an organic relationship. And so in just a moment, I'm going to ask Chris to join me on stage. We're going to talk a little bit about groups but next week we have this event, and I want you to do this. In fact, if you want to write this down as one of your embrace discomfort things, next year we have the, next week we have this family connect event. Man, outside we're going to have a tent set up with all the small group leaders going to be there at their tents. RPC students, RPC kids are going to have tents set up out there. We're going to have inflatables for kids. We're going to have inflatables for kids at heart. We're going to have a couple of food trucks here. It's going to be an incredible event. We would love for you to invite some friends out. For some of you, maybe a family that they don't go to church, this is a great chance. Hey, we have the Family Connect event. We'll still have church at 1010, but starting at 1130, all the events are going to happen outside. It's going to be an incredible event. I'd love for some people to challenge us at some human foosball. It's going to be incredible. But here's the thing. Our goal is to use that event to connect to people, and, and there's a way to do that, and there's a way not to do that. Chris here. Talk about our groups real quick. What does that look like for us? All right. So uh, this fall, uh, when we kick off our groups, uh, we're going to be doing a study. We'll be doing a sermon series and a study in our groups called I Said This, You Heard That. And uh, as you might well guess, it's all about communication. Um, you know, JJ just talked about how important relationships are in our lives. And if we have problems in relationships, most likely it's due to communication. And uh, a lot of that has to do with there's certain ways that we're wired that we want to hear certain things from other people. In fact, this whole study is based on a, uh, a verse in Ephesians, actually a little bit later on in that uh, letter that JJ was just reading from. Paul says this, he says, he starts out this verse by saying, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, which, you know, for believers, a lot of times we're good at that. We kind of focus on that, but we forget about the second part of the verse. And the second part of the verse goes on and it says this, the things that come out of your mouth should be encouraging and it should be based on what people need from you. And, uh, and so that's what this study is all about, is about figuring out 
what do people need to hear from me? So that we don't have those confusing things where um, I say something and you hear something totally different. Uh, I think it's going to be whenever we pick one of these series uh, for our groups to kick off, we do it in the mindset that those organic relationships that you have, that you can make them intentional by providing them with something like this. It's, it's all based on communication. It's uh, understanding, you know, kind of how we're wired and more importantly, understanding how people that we're in relationships with are wired and understanding what they need to hear from us. So, um, so we're going to, today, if you want to go ahead and let us know that you're interested in a group, you can do that. You can sign up on your connection card. There's a little box that you can check that says, I want to I sign up for a group. You can let us know that. But next week for our group connect, or our, excuse me, our family connect event, um, there's going to be a more of an opportunity to talk to our group leaders, find a group that's right for you, get signed up and all of that stuff. But if you want to go ahead and let us know now, or maybe there's a reason you can't be here next week, you want to let us know now, do that on your, connect, on your connection card. But you can also go ahead and start getting ready by getting one of these books. We're going to have these available in the back. Uh, it's a, a workbook that has stuff that you can pull out. It's got kind of like little tools that you can use to put in your wallet or have to keep uh, around you to, as you begin to understand these things, tools on how you can communicate with each other. So it's a workbook. Um, for one of them, it's $20. For two of them, because if there's a couple or maybe you're uh, going to go to group with somebody else or whatever, we don't care who the two are, but if two of you want one, they're $35 together, okay? So one, $20 to $35, and it's, you're, you're all going to want to have one of these, okay? Uh, in fact, it tells you how to access videos in this and all this, which the groups will do, but again, if you want to take one of those organic relationships that you already have and you want to make it intentional, you want to pour into someone, this is a great tool to have, and, uh, and, and it's, got, it's got all the information in it. So um, we'll have those back available at the table what have I forgot? I think that covered it. Okay. I think that, that was good. All right. Um, and as we talk about relationships, I, I know that, you know, especially signing up for a group, if you've never been in a group before, that could be incredibly uncomfortable because what, what that looks like is you're getting to get together one night a week uh, at someone's house. A lot of times there's food involved, which always helps break the ice a little bit. That does. Uh, but, but it literally is getting together, having food together, and, and doing this study together. And I know that that's as intimidating as it could be to say, I don't know this person. I'm going to be going to their house. What's this going to be like? I promise none of our group leaders yet have bitten anybody. Uh, so, not, so that is, not that I know of. <laughs> that has not happened. Uh, there's some talking back there. Maybe they have. I'm not <laughs> sure. Uh, but but it, it just is a chance to connect with some different people, to spur each other towards growth. And so next week, part of Family Connect is to have those group leaders there. So you can kind of walk around and, and figure out is a lot of them already have their, their, the night they're meeting. Uh, obviously, they know where they live. So it's a chance to connect with those group leaders, find out what night they meet, and just find out, hey, do we think this is a good fit for us to have those conversations? So we'd love for you to come out next week, spend some time getting those group leaders, and then we'll jump into I said this, you heard that right after Labor Day. That's right. So if you have any questions, come see Chris. We're going to close out in a word of prayer, and the band's going to join us to lead us as we close out. Father God, I thank you first and foremost that, that you're wired for community. You're wired for relationship as we see in you being these, this trinity of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And God, the way that you're wired is the way that you've wired us. 
even though brokenness and disconnect has hurt us and sometimes left, left us mistrusting of relationship, you wired us deep down in our core to have meaningful relationships, relationships that hinge on this idea of, of compassion and, and commitment. And so, God, I pray for the person right now who says, man, I don't have someone in my life. I feel alone. I feel lost. I don't feel like there's anybody spurring me towards love and towards spiritual growth. I pray that whether it's through a, a relationship that's kind of developed, that today they realize their life matters, that they are significant, and there's purpose to their life, and there are people that genuinely care about them. Or, God, whether it's through a relationship that is intentionally made somewhat forced uh, into a relationship, God, you can use those forced relationships and intentional relationships to bring about growth in our life. God, allow us to realize it's the way that you've wired us, that we're supposed to connect with you first, but that also intrinsic upon our, our, our growth is this idea that, that we're wired to be in community with each other. Help us grow in that community, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.